Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Jules Gill, I'm going to do an actual introduction, but by oh virtue God. of saying this, it's not an actual introduction, but this is the entitled Banner Podcast, the UBP, the UBP, 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 the UBP. I am Scott Tilford. You are Jules Gill. I am indeed. It is lovely to see you. And so for the Untitled Banner Podcast, we always put out a, tw- a, quitter, a quitter question, a, quitter a Twitter question, yeah. asking people whatever they would like us to talk about, um, various gaming topics or whatever else is going on in the industry, which is to say very little is going on in the industry right now. Yeah, a bit of a dry um, spell, games, isn't it? Bit of a dry Spell bit of a malaise. Just shot a video that'll be going out. I think this afternoon, uh, Fridays when we're recording this on the channel, mm-hmm. um, about the the overall malaise feeling and the fact that nearly every third party dev and some of the first party devs are reporting massive losses in revenue and massive losses in player numbers yep. and everything else. A lot of it is because of how much that stuff spiked in the pandemic. Yeah, I was but, about to say, like you're yeah. kind of weighing it up against an unfair metric. There's like yes. this weird sort of thing that you'll see in some <laughs> industries. It's like, oh, we're losing money. It's like, yes, because we can go outside now. Are you unhappy <laughs> that we have our personal freedoms back? I'm that sorry that we're inconveniencing you and your wallet, my friend. That's the thing. They had this insane sales spike across the last couple of years, which is now going away. And like, I think I think it's an interesting talking point uh, in mm. terms of the millions of people that signed up for the service aren't sticking around. I think that's kind of interesting. Um, yeah. That like the offering right now, like I said, there's a general malaise feeling because there's not that many big well, releases and it didn't keep people. There's also like obviously the, uh, the cost of living increase that's coming yes, in, especially in the possibly. UK at the moment. Uh, people are looking at what they're subscribing to and being like, oh, I actually have to decide now which one mm. rather than just having every single option open to me. Mm-hmm. And it's so, like... Like, um, there's uh, a lot of people who do streaming have been noticing it as well. They've just been like, oh, I've I've seen a massive drop off in my subscriber count or my members or whatever. Mm -hmm. And it's like, well, people are going back to work now. They're not able to spend like work from home, like spend hours watching Twitch streams and stuff like that. So obviously Mm -hmm. donations are going to go down as a result. And it's like, I can understand that it's very scary for those people in that career. But at the same time, uh, entering in when something is a boom you've got to expect the bust and it's like it just shows that sometimes it's not that sustainable true i think it's hard as well because the amount of monthly services that there are like loads of people signed up for all sorts of different things whether it's power Round plus disney plus whatever the new yep. playstation plus tiers and you don't realize how much that stuff stacks up and yeah. if you're trimming off the fat or trimming off the stuff you don't need then the the massive array of monthly services are going to be one of the first things to go um, to get rid of that stuff. I just got rid of yeah. Disney Plus and then the mm-hmm. new Predator movie's out today and I was like, I'm gonna have to get it back now, but only for like a, like a week or something. I just, I don't want it really. I, yeah. I don't care about Marvel and Star Wars anymore. But um, 
but yeah, anyway, we have a ton of questions to get through. Um, first one from Hugo Brandeo, who, say, who says, simple question, Sony in Brazil, WTF. Now, this is in reference to some comments that came from Sony um, as one of their publishing reports, sorry, one of their financial reports, um, talking about the ongoing deal that Xbox slash um, Microsoft are acquiring Activision Blizzard, yeah. and how if they got a hold of the Call of Duty IP, um, what a big deal that would be. And so mm-hmm. it's weird because um, Sony said, um, despite large budgets and resources, no other developer has managed to create a franchise to rival Activision's Call of Duty. It's a blockbuster, a AAA game that has no rival. Call of Duty is heavily entrenched, so no rival, no matter how relevant, can achieve the status that it has. And um, their point is they don't want the Xbox deal necessarily to go through. That seems like what right. They're, so they're basically they're just saying, like, like uh, we are supporting you, and you have a, a sizable player base here on PlayStation, so don't. Go yes, ahead and with that. also saying that if if that, there's that whole thing that keeps doing the rounds as to whether if uh, Xbox slash Microsoft acquired Activision, they would have a monopoly on the industry. That's the yeah. whole thing that keeps yeah. doing the rounds. Um, so Sony said this thing that Call of Duty is unrivaled. There's no way, you know, if that goes over there, then no one's going to buy a PlayStation anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, Xbox then responded, which kind of the only way that they could, considering the context, um, saying there's nothing unique about the video games developed and published by Activision. None of these games <laughs> are must-haves, which is phenomenal. <laughs> just having what, to completely what a slam dunk. <laughs> Imagine being Activision in the middle. It's just like, oh, like there's Sony big. You'd be like, like, oh, we're, we're masterclasses. We're leading yeah. this like a Renaissance painter. But then it's just almost like, nah, that's <laughs> MS Paint, mate. It's rubbish. Like, <laughs> Anyone could do that. Yeah. Uh, don't worry about it. Just pick up a gun. Like it's just, yeah. So they, there's this weird sort of back and forth war going on. Um, and so, yeah, Hugo Brandeo just says what like WTF, which I just think it's so interesting. Part of me wonders, wonders if it's 4D chess on behalf of Sony trying to get Xbox to devalue the Call of Duty brand. I wonder if yeah. some financial analyst knew this is how they would have to respond. Because if they say, yes, we completely agree and this is why we want the deal to go through, then they're almost admitting that they're buying into the idea of a monopoly okay. and okay. a value set in the industry that is unrivaled. Now, this is where we enter into a very strange thing where obviously I totally understand why they put out that response of being mm. like, look, we have to try and make it seem that like we're not uh, entering into this monopoly, like you said. But mm. at the same time, why would they care? Like, no offense <laughs> to them. If mm. it was in that situation and it was me in there, I'd be like, yeah, I am. And what are you going to do about it? I am your competitor. I owe you nothing. I am going to take whatever financial advantages I can because this is business, my friend. And I was well, that's like, the, that's that is, that's the cold calculating truth of it because true. it's like, okay, they have a monopoly on it. Um, it's not illegal to have a, a monopoly on video games. It is to have with, well, with certain business practices, but you yes. can't, it's not stopping anyone from entering through lack of, um, resources or tech availability it's mm-hmm. just in terms of popularity and that you can't control surely true well that's that's the thing that's what keeps doing the rounds and i don't have the notes uh, in front of me but there is that whole thing on whether the monopoly in entertainment would be considered illegal the same way mm-hmm. it would be in other sectors and um, there's a whole thing about like the american entertainment industry and how um that's been floated the idea that if, if this deal goes through that they would have a, a monopoly on the industry um i'm sure most of that has gone through that i keep seeing headlines saying that various parts of this deal are going through and that it's meant to be closing now next year right, so okay. i think it's all just kind of various reverberations from that um but it's just it was just a hilarious back and forth of like well yeah. you can't take that we need that uh, but, but nah, it's, it's not worth anything don't worry about it but it's like um uh, what's to stop sony with all of their sort of like first party publishing access mm. that they have from just going away and making their own thing and just saying like look well, okay totally. like it, as soon as you have exclusives you're creating a monopoly on that so it's just like there's no <laughs> there's no difference like here but they're just getting a bit sad about it that it's just one of mm-hmm. the biggest um publishers going Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, that's, that's, that's the thing. I think the read, for my my read on it, read between the lines, 
is them inferring that they can't let this deal go through. Yeah. And that's why they're begging up the value of Call of Duty. Maybe there's other reads to be taken from that. Um, but yeah, overall, that was a hell of an exchange. And uh, thank you to Hugo for uh, pointing it out. <laughs> yeah. I forgot that thing happened earlier this week. Um, next question from Roy Mutombo Turner, who says, this is for Jules. I just found a brand new Rabbids game in Asda the other day, but, I, but there's still no new Rayman. Are we living in a dystopian timeline? And do I need to start building a time machine? I genuinely hate what happened with the Rabbids, man. <laughs> like, it's like they came along. That's like, so cool. Like Rayman, no, don't do this to me, Scott. <laughs> like, we are friends. I will. I'm seeing you in person next week as well. I will you write you off with the Christmas card list if you <laughs> look me in the eye and tell me that the Rabbids are better than, than Rayman. Can you uh, do that? Uh, You're looking away. Maybe. You're literally looking away. I'm, right no, now. I'm trying to think about it. I, uh, I just thought of the games that they do. I no, might no, prefer just the, design. the Rabbids games. Oh, oh the design. Just the design. Yeah, probably. Yeah. Yeah, maybe. What? So you like. Little, fact, little quiffy Rayman, I don't know. Rayman is the the pinnacle of design because of the fact he's got no bones to weigh him down. <laughs> like he's literally walking around with his hands and fists detached from his body. He's the True. simplest and therefore most aesthetically pleasing. He's like Johnny Cash lyrics. And like, he's got no. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, but like the um those Rayman Legends and Rayman Origins games, you can't mm. deny me that they that he's not a beautifully drawn character. He's so simple and silly. I love him. But I, the I, rabbits, uh... they look like sacks of flowers that have had the piss bean out of them. And then two eye holes punched in. I just, I think there's more malleability to the rabbits. My whole thing with uh, Rayman is that I never got over the no limbs thing. It's like why I don't think that like Mies look cute or anything. Oh. Like Nintendo Mies. Yeah. Like the whole idea of like floating limbs. It just doesn't do anything for me. So like if it's, I, 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 do, I don't mind Rayman and those games are incredible. Like legit, like as platformers, they are better than most 2D Marios. Thank like, you. Like they're stellar. But Rayman as a character design... I don't know. I think that, like, overall, I, yeah, I would take a new Rayman game. But yes. if we're talking about aesthetic, I might like the the look of the rabbits doing some stuff. Doing, having, having a bit of a banter more than I want Rayman. I'll just say to you, like, what's the best rabbits game? Answer is, it's the um, uh, the XCOM ripoff. And therefore, yes, it's not Mario even, like, rabbits. their original thing. It's literally just ripping off another game. Oh, no, essence. the actual rabbits games were terrible. Like, that's terrible. I used to have to sell them. Yeah. yeah. So they've got yeah. to go. Basically, they are shovelware. <laughs> and the worst thing is, is that I can't actually remember what came first a kind of like chicken and the meme scenario with uh, like <laughs> was it the minions or was it the rabbits that came they, first funnily enough i've looked this up before because i thought the rabbits were a ripoff of the minions they're not the rabbits predate the minions oh, um so or at we least have in, even more to hate them for because as, as far as i know i'm not sure if i'm pretty sure about that i've not looked it up in a long time but i remember thinking that years ago and looking it up and realizing the minions uh, sorry the yeah uh, the rabbits came first i could be wrong but i'm pretty sure they came first because they were in um, like something in 2006 or whatever, which I think predates Despicable Me. Right, okay. So, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I think that was 2007. But similar energies, very they much. They literally came along and they destroyed everything, is what I'm hearing, <laughs> because they gave birth to the minions. And now, unfortunately, yeah. that means that they've given birth to that subset of film fan who likes to ironically in heavy quotation marks dress up as Gru or a minion to go and watch the new Minions movie in the in the plight that they're saying oh yeah guys I'm just watching this for the laugh isn't it so silly that I'm ironically doing it no mate it's sad that you're sitting there looking else. at the screen and going laughing along with the set of five year olds oh he said the word banana <laughs> I was gonna I was just gonna point out the banana joke now I have you seen the Minions movies 
Surprisingly, Scott, no. Because <laughs> I'm not, I'm not, I'm not going to get the the costume on. But I, I had, a, I had enough fun with the Minions movies. I didn't see the rise of Gru. What's enough fun? What's one. enough fun? Give me, give me a, a proper I, like I, value on. I did a little chortle. I, I did, thought the banana. Th- I smiled a little bit at the banana thing. I didn't love it as much as Mark Commode, veteran film critic Mark Commode, who who did a whole. He loves the Minions movies. Did a whole speech in his review about how how much they know what they are and how stellar they are. And the banana scene had him on the floor and everything. I wasn't that guy, but I, they, they were all right. Minions. I exhaust. I, I exhale like a horse, mate. That's what I, I exhale think it. it I exhale in your general direction. <sighs> okay, Next cool. Brilliant. Question uh, from Rich Roberts, who says, "Hello, fine fellows. Hope you're doing well. I don't know about you, but I can't help feeling that the reveal of GTA 6's location as Vice City is a bit boring. How do we stop this? And how do we get a remake of The Getaway? Happy gaming. I would uh, take a release of The Getaway. Just put it on the PlayStation Premium service. But um, the yeah, getaway- what do you think of, of, of GTA going back to Vice City? Just quickly to say that The mm. Getaway is um, one of the undersung open world crime games going. Uh, it's it's gritty. It's very, very London-y. And <laughs> I enjoyed the fact that it's a very minimalist uh, approach to its hub. Mark the way I just like the fact that like you know, it told you where to go with the blinkers on the, uh, the so indicators. Cool. I was like, there's such a simple solution to a mm-hmm. problem of like uh, like dictating where the player should go. And now here you go with a little bit of... Uh... Also like massively predates uh, photogrammetry in terms mm-hmm. of like uh, as a graphical technique, like taking loads of photos and putting them on a wireframe mesh and making it look photoreal. Yeah. Like I remember seeing pictures of that, you know, at the very beginning of the PlayStation 2 and being like, holy S words. This is like, this is photoreal. <laughs> Um, I love the getaway. I think if you play it back now, it's quite hard and awkward because oh, yeah, it predates yeah. most cover shooters. Um, but yeah, I love that thing. And I love all the, um, like how ridiculously London it is, like Mark mm-hmm. Ammond and Charlie and all that kind of stuff. <laughs> um, but it was great. All I didn't right, play mate. through... All right, mate, well, you got to get your son back. And like, I like, um, I never played all of Black Monday, but the sequel. But, Apparently, um, that was quite good. I didn't. Yeah, play that I think you play as a boxer or something. At some point, you can lamp a few Charlies, but I didn't <laughs> do very much of it. Lamp a few Charlies. <laughs> what are you on, mate? What are you? I'm on? Not, not from London. I don't know what they do down there. Just, just get lamping. Um. So the getaway, good. Yes. Also, GTA Vice City as a location being bad is quite like the a, take. I'm, I, well, I'm not sure. I'm not sure I agree with this uh, this comment that it's a bad mm. or disappointing one because unless you're thinking that it's only going to be in terms of how small it was, nah, man, nah, nah, nah. They're going to do the same sort of thing. Of like each one of these is probably going to be the size of Los Santos, which is, mm. is which is obviously very very big. Um, I love the idea of going back to an area that we've already covered. Obviously, we did that with uh, Liberty City, and it proved to be mm. wonderful in GTA 4. Mm. And I just can't see it being bad, if I'm honest. I think the go-to, if I'm going to assume stuff, I think that they are saying it's boring because it's the it's like an expected location because we've had, like if you go back to the original GTA, it's like that set of San Andreas, Liberty City, Vice City. And yep. then it was the 3D era across the 2000s. It was the same three locations. Yep. And then in the uh, now in the newest era, you've got, the same stuff again like GTA 4 was Liberty City again GTA 5 was uh, San Andreas again Mm -hmm. and so it's Vice City yet again and so like I don't mind that I like the idea of them doing like a way more realistic way more weighty version of Vice City um, more like GTA 5 but I guess if you want them to branch out and do something completely different than like GTA London or whatever then I'm just going to say that all it is is a name it's just yeah. a name. Like you've got your three islands or your three distinct areas. It, they're all exactly the same in terms of what they <laughs> offer the player. Um, if you just called this instead of Vice City, you called it like um, Trey Trey Santiago. Like I don't know, right. like like the city of Trey <laughs> Santiago. Um, then yeah, done. Would people be? Well, uh, do you not have a Do you not have a favorite aesthetic? 
Or yeah, they, the 80s, and the 80s, Vice, and everything. 80s Vice City was my favourite um, setting for any GTA game because Same. it was just so ridiculous. And I actually loved how small the map was in comparison mm. to some of the later games because mm. blitzing it along there and getting from one side of the map to the other in like under two minutes was just hilarious <laughs> fun. That was the, like that perfect meeting between like Liberty City and San Andreas, like in Vice, where they had like stunt ramps everywhere and yeah. different things that you could like get the bike and go to the airport and whatever. Yeah, I love Vice City. I love those old school GTAs. It's just sandboxes. There's play boxes. Play box a word as a play box. Wow, why not create it? Exactly. I want them to do more stuff like that. So I, yeah, I think that they're just kind of rounding stuff off. And this is the first big GTA, main GTA, without any of the initial creative staff. Like, I mean, mm-hmm. Sam House is still there, but everyone else is gone. So um, I'm interested about that. But yeah, they need to show a lot more of it. The latest report said it wouldn't be coming till about 2025. That's a so long way. It's, it's so long. Like it's the, And they, uh, Rockstar themselves, uh, quoted anonymously in that report, um, are aware of how long it's taken. And so like I think it's one of those things that they just need to get so right. But GTA yep. 5 still sells so much so they're not in any rush to do it. No. Um, next question from Bugen who says, <laughs> Nikkei says there will be no new Nintendo hardware this fiscal year. Is this the nail in the coffin for the Switch Pro, or do you think Nintendo are still likely to release another version before their next full console? Well, I don't they've, think so. They've already said that the reason that they didn't release the upgrade was because mm. of a the semi-capacitor shortage, wasn't it? That was like one of the that main was, That's reasons. the prevailing rumor. They've not officially stated that. No, but, but yeah. there have been so many sort of, even the hardware yes. outlets and manufacturers have said, yeah, this is actually the case. So Some people swore that they had the 4K switch on hand. Yeah, that was a bit didn't. of an odd one. I'm sure that was the Jason Schreier thing, was he talked to, or not him specifically, but he wrote up a whole thing about, mm-hmm. yeah, the warehouse people um, on the front line and everything, having the 4K switch stuff, and then it not being real, and then Nintendo going, that never existed. And it's like, well, it clearly I, did. That's clearly what you were going to Towards. I mean, why not just hold on to it and release it alongside your next console as mm. maybe a companion? Because you know we were talking about before what is going to be the next sort of leap for Nintendo because they love to approach their consoles with a, like a really interesting gimmick or like mm. it's got to have a central thing. I was thinking about this a the other day. What if like you own your Switch, but it somehow integrates into this new console in a way that boosts the power or the capabilities yeah. of what it can do? So it's like mm. it offers proper VR simulation uh, if you've got the Switch plugged into it. So it's like you're okay. almost buying it as a companion piece. And I know that a few people would probably be very against that idea because it's effectively buying two consoles to get one, the most out of mm. one. But if you already own a Switch and because the Switch is on track to become the biggest selling console ever? Still is. It, yeah, right now. Well, yeah, I mean, right now it's the market leader. Oh, yeah, well, there you uh, go. It's got quite a ways to beat the PS2, but it'll probably it's, get there. It's all about, I think, using your install base. And I was thinking mm. this, like, what video game companies tend to do is they don't produce ethically or responsibly uh, when it comes to manufacturing. Um, Mm. They will just basically just chuck it out and then your console is as good as next to nothing in a few years. True. Like having some sort of like renewable or something that you can plug in to create more power. Like I know that you might end up with like a Frankenstein sort of like console (laughs) that's like, uh, do you remember with the, what was it? Was the... The N64 well, had the double D expansion. I was just going to say they, they like, kind of did this do, with the N64. Why don't they yeah. do that again, but better? Yeah. Like, I think it would be hard in terms of... Because I was when you described that, I was like, maybe they would do some sort of deluxe version of the dock. Mm. So you keep the, the switch that you have, whether it's, it's the original or the OLED or whatever, and you put that into the dock. And then that's some... I don't know. Like, I, don't know I, I don't know enough about computers and computing to know that you could just dock something to give it more power. But I know that they did... Because the N64 thing was just like a memory card. But then some yeah. games could take advantage of it um, for load times, and some of them needed it to run as well. So maybe they can work it in that way, where like a game that's struggling for more RAM yeah, can well, just like get in, it from, um, from that. In PC, 
PCs, for example, you've got like a term called crossfire. I think it's where you've got right. two graphics cards and they basically mm. help each other out. And then you've got ways that you can utilize uh, two PCs together to like lower uh, mm. rending time, um, mm -hmm. like for... Uh, edits and stuff like that mm -hmm. so what you could do is potentially have the dock be itself no screen but all hardware and when you mm -hmm. plug the switch into it it then boosts it to 4k it gives it that capability it gives That'd it cool. like supreme functionality that will let you run not only the games you've already got there at mm -hmm. like upgrade uh, unlocked potential but also new games coming on it that's that's how you play it as well that's a good shout i think just knowing nintendo and how incredibly money grubby they are i think mm -hmm. they'll just do a full-on 400 quid whatever um, Switch 4K Super Nintendo Switch type thing because um, that's their biggest unit cost. But I like the idea of them respecting the consumer more and sort of bolting <laughs> yeah. stuff on better, but not ever in Nintendo history have they ever put the consumer first. So I, <laughs> I don't think they're going to start now, but um, like we can live in hope. Um, next. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Before we go any further, I want to talk to you about today's sponsor, Masterclass. With the amount of time we spend discussing and analyzing video games on this channel, it's always good to understand exactly how these experiences are put together. And fortunately for me, I can do just that with Masterclass. With Masterclass's streaming service, you can learn from the best to become your best, studying and growing with over 200 plus of the world's leading instructors. For me, I've been having a blast using a class on video game design by The Sims creator Will Wright to find out exactly how game mechanics are designed around player psychology as well as learning how important playtesting is to shipping the titles that you and I both love. But it hasn't stopped there, as I've also been brushing up on my practical filmmaking skills directly from my favourite movie director Martin Scorsese, as well as trying to get back in the cooking game with Roy Choi's amazing course on intuitive cooking. Seriously, my kitchen is a mess, but my belly has never been more grateful. For just $10 a month, an annual membership with Masterclass gets you unlimited access to courses on your phone, computer, smart TV, or even via audio-only modes. Even better, every new membership comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee, and 88% of members feel that the service has made a positive impact on their lives. And to put the cherry on top of that cake, right now, What Culture Gaming listeners get an additional 15% off any annual membership at masterclass.com forward slash gaming. That's 15% off at masterclass.com slash gaming. What's that? You want it one more time? Well, that's the URL masterclass.com forward slash gaming. Right, now I'm going to watch Tony Hawk try to teach me how to ollie properly. 
I'll see you all soon. Question from the Irish Patriot who says, Hello, legends. Who are your favorite comedians? Ooh, great question, Ooh. actually. Don't really get to talk about this. Uh, who are my favorite comedians? Um, I would say that I do classify him as a comedian still. Mm. Uh, Ethan Klein from H3H3. I do enjoy okay. listening to his uh, podcasts, even though mm. he's uh, quite inflammatory from time to time. So I do enjoy <laughs> like that he's uh, just speaking his mind and doing lots of weird comedy I bits think I know who that guy is. I'm pretty sure he... Because I'm going to say Bill Burr. He's my absolute favorite yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. goat. And so I think Klein interviewed Bill Burr. I think. Yeah, yeah. I, I think, think that's that, a crossover. In fact, I'm pretty sure they had a very rocky interview where, they they, did, uh, yeah. where Bill Burr basically just ripped into him. Like well, it's ages. because Klein kept asking questions that he did. Bill was like, "I don't want to talk about like yeah, where my yeah. wife lives or yeah. whatever." And then it got really awkward. They did do a, they did another interview to patch that stuff up. But yeah, their first one is very awkward. It's still on YouTube as well. It's so funny, man. Um, <laughs> I'm trying to think of like other comedians that I would listen to on the reg. I know that mm. um, uh, Kerry listens to uh, my long-suffering girlfriend. By the way, uh, listens to <laughs> a podcast called All Filler No Killer, which has got okay. uh, two female comedians, uh, Kerry Pritchard McLean and Rachel. Fairburn um, no. they are incredibly funny and the podcast mm-hmm. is all about looking at serial killers but doing so with a lens of their very um, sat- it's not satirical what's the word I'm looking for where it's like Jack D what's that word sarcastic sarcastic oh, yeah, edge sort of, to it like yeah, very yeah, yeah. dry humor and it's really yeah dry really is the g- good word for it I am um, there's not actually because like Bill Burr like I said is my go I used to be a big Louis CK fan years ago but I started oh, yeah, dropping but obviously, off there's, there's anyway a, a even of... before all that stuff <laughs> yeah. happened like what the special he did before then wasn't that good anyway um, but yeah my go to is definitely uh, Bill Burr watched a lot of Gervais over the years but I feel like he's dropped off quite a lot as well mm-hmm. um, I feel like he had that it, really cool hot streak where it was like animals all the way through to the fame tour like the first three yeah and then um, just uh, public opinion shifted on him didn't it it's a little just... bit yeah i don't necessarily mind the, the public opinion necessarily but it's the it's just the actual material i don't think he's really doing anything or saying anything that's that good like it's like anyone can just point at a, a subject matter and make the worst possible joke about it like there's not that much yeah. construction there although so... i will say that i think that the ricky gervais show the animated series that he did with mm. carl pilkington and mm-hmm. uh, who was the who's Stephen the tall Stephen merchant there he is um like that was <laughs> hilarious i think the oh, Man, like, of that was just brilliant yeah all the because they're all taken from the old radio shows like yes, they just took yeah. their old audio and then and some of the old podcasts too and then animated you know it yeah I've i was listening to that, to that last night I, i've never listened to that that podcast or that radio show that they did back really? in the day. Is, it, is it actually worth oh mate it's brilliant like yeah i mean okay. they like the whole story of that thing was the um gervais had landed the gig at xfm and he was looking he was looking through a pile of cvs for someone to be a assistant or something and he saw merchants credentials or whatever and just just really, yeah i'll get him whatever that guy will probably carry me through it because he's clearly a very professional person on yeah. paper um, and their chemistry just sort of came together quite happenstance um, and then they like discovered or whatever Pilkington as a producer at the time and then just started doing stuff together so mm-hmm. their old XFM shows are them just figuring out what Carl's like and asking him stuff and he gets yeah. on the on uh, the shows more and everything yeah all those th- all, the, all those old podcasts uh, or radio shows are all just on YouTube uh, they tend to get re-uploaded by someone every now and then because um, the copyright uh, occasionally comes back around but yeah. yeah I don't really have in terms of like watching a, a stand-up today like I said, I'll I'll watch loads of Bill Burr. I used to love Peter Kay. I feel like there hasn't been that many great stand-ups recently. Chappelle, I go back and forward on. Like, it depends yeah. on his stand-up. Um, yeah, but, yeah, I like listening it, to him in interviews more than his stand-up. But, yeah. I personally, like, with Chappelle stuff, obviously some of his takes are rancid. Mm. So, for me, it's like yeah. a case of, like, uh, scorched earth, I guess. But... Mm. I do enjoy uh, Stuart Lee and I do enjoy Ross mm. Noble as well. I think that they are. Oh my uh, God, Ross Noble. I, used to yeah. I met him. I did but a. Um, that's the thing. Yeah, he's, he was so, he's so funny. And I love. Mm. Do you know what? I respect him probably more so than many other comedians out there because while having a fantastic set is mm. like, it will 
mean that you go down in the annals of history as being a great comedian. Mm -hmm. I think it takes much more uh, courage and skill to be able to go out on stage with no plan whatsoever. And he did a series of tours where he went up there and only had, I think he said he had one joke at the beginning Mm. one joke at the end and everything else just trying to ad lib and it's like oh man i can't (laughs) imagine doing that i mean like Mm -hmm. i if i don't script stuff down to the absolute letter i panic that i'm gonna miss Mm. my points because i always stutter and i roll over my words too much as it is Mm. so to do that for a living in front of people who <laughs> let's face it are always sitting there with a little bit of jaded nature because they're like yeah they need to be convinced it, entertain me funny man yeah. i'm like oh my lord no oh no definitely i remember seeing him on the i think it was a randomist tour uh, for noble that back might in the have day. been like, it the randomist tour actually. so good i mean they're all they're all improvised that was used to always be his, uh, his oh was thing, that like his Sonic entire gig I, I thought there was just yeah. like one uh, one tour that he did that i think he that. maybe slowly started bringing it together a bit more but i remember that whole rise that he had across the 2000s it was all improvised and again i was trying to think because i was thinking of bill burr and then i was like who else am i go who else are my absolute top tier it's Chris Rock like Chris Rock's the dude that I just Funny grew up man. watching his um, his uh, Bring the Pain tour when he, he took a few years off and he came back um, the Bring the Pain stuff is great uh, the Never Scared tour like uh, Tambourine is brilliant over on Netflix like mm-hmm. yeah Chris Rock and Bill Burr are my top two I just um, I, you know when someone's so obvious that you just don't even think yeah, of yeah. them for a second and it's like no of course they, that's they're one of the pillars I'd also um, be uh, remiss to not give him a shout out, seeing as we've actually got the opportunity now. Uh, John Robertson, um, who oh, does, who runs the Dark Room. Uh, mm-hmm. We've met him a few times. He's a very good friend. He plays D and D with me occasionally over on Little mm-hmm. Let's Dice. Lovely guy, and his stand up sets because they are infused with the Dark Room, which, if you guys haven't uh, seen it before, is. It's a choose your own adventure show in which mm-hmm. you are playing, but every single result leads you to your death and you die. <laughs> and it's just really funny because it's like you're playing the through UK. this. Like he's effectively played the same game with people for, I don't know, like five, six years. And yet people right. still flock to it to play it together. And it's just this beautiful <laughs> family of people just yelling, you die, you die, you die <laughs> over and over again. No, he always seems to have awesome energy. I've not met him in person, oh, but I've seen lovely. you do plenty of stuff with him. And like, yeah, he always seems really cool. I think that there's go one on. more that I want to give a shout out just quickly before mm-hmm. we go on. It's Phoebe Waller-Bridge. Uh, it's just absolutely hilarious. Just brilliant. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, next question from Jack Asbury, who says, hi, lads. Have you ever anticipated a game, highly anticipated a game, and it comes out and no one is talking about it digimon survive just came out but it was the same day as xenoblade chronicles 3 so naturally yeah. all the coverage has gone to that now i saw someone else uh, messaged us in the question thread saying that digimon survive has been review bombed i don't know why and um, the critic reviews are quite solid for it oh really but at the same time i've not thought of digimon in about 18 years mm-hmm. so i don't even know what the fandom is doing right now but yeah there's a new digimon it's a turn-based XCOM type thing well, yeah. you say that, but it's also got loads of other elements that seem to be just sort of like chasing trends instead of leading them. I was a bit oh, like, maybe I'm it's not monetized in- or whatever. I was like, like I'm not hell. entirely sure what I think about this mm. uh, game. But um, if I talk about an anticipated game that came out and then no one talked about it, probably uh, Stray or Ghostwire Tokyo, just like the two, or maybe even Deathloop to some degree, like mostly Ghostwire and mostly Stray. They just sort of dropped this year and people went, yep, okay, yeah. kind of. It- it's a shame, isn't it? Because sometimes you get good games that come out and just get buried under mm. 
loads of other brilliant releases and sometimes mm. they come out with no competition and just still nobody buys them like Carrie well, and I are, are starting to play through uh, Stray now and we're loving mm. it but it's still it was like hot for a minute and now no one's talking well, about it well that's the thing like all the, that's yeah what I mean by Stray I, I mean the Ghostwire Tokyo just had nothing at all it sells completely undercut and it mm-hmm. just didn't land Stray obviously had a bit of burst on social media but it was all cats watching people play Stray it was not yeah. anything to do with the gameplay and um, for me personally I, I thought Stray was a massive disappointment I thought it played really boring it sent me to sleep I was just like running See, around looking for the X prompt over and over again yeah but we're in, we're enjoying that because Kerry isn't like a massive gamer so this mm. is a really nice sort of entry point where we're just like sitting down and playing this together mm. like solving the like pretty simple puzzles but it's just the joy of playing is something is like nice. a cat like it is nice mm. it's, and i love the um, aesthetics as well the design yeah of the sort i think of, like, like it, dead city and stuff like that. that's great yeah i like i think it does look gorgeous i just i wish they did a bit more with it i think by the time you get to the end it's like oh okay that right really, okay that was just a thing like it's like a four it's only four hours long anyway yeah but, true. um but yeah i think that would be uh my one have you got anything that you were anticipating and then it was just like oh. yes oh yeah 100 percent. Uh, it wasn't necessarily disappointment it was because of the fact that nobody bar josh and i played it and that was the <laughs> mad max game that came out ages ago oh dude like, i love the mad Max. oh yeah game. yeah actually you were on board with it as well but i think that it was us three and everyone we t- spoke to was like there's a mad max game out like what are you on about yeah. sort of thing. i was like yes and it's got nothing to do with the film but at the same time kind of does but it's brilliant and and loads of people didn't even want it to come out because they, uh, the developers of publishers were like at odds with each other all the time. And mm-hmm. then it got removed from storefronts and then it came back again. And because of all of this <laughs> absolute mess, by the time that it finally came out, it was chucked on sale, buried under a load of other titles released around the same, same time. Same day as Metal Gear Solid 5. Metal Gear Solid 5. I mean, how were you going to, like, to uh, compete with that? In fact, mm-hmm. the only reason that I picked it up is because of the fact I wasn't actually a huge fan of Metal Gear Solid 5 because I was waiting mm. for you to tell me whether it was worth <laughs> getting or not. So right. I was just basically like, oh, I'll get the other game that's coming out instead. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, I love Mad Max. I went back to that uh, last year because it has an Xbox Series patch yeah. that makes it like 4K 120 frames a second. So I was like, I'll when the, check d- that When out. The, uh, the dust storms roll in, yeah. I imagine with that upgrade, it's just like, oh, yes, mate. We did, um, because of that game and because of Just Cause 4, we did like the best storms in gaming, which didn't do that well on the channel. Yeah, but true, I remember, I remember just, that. Just trying to like, really like show off how incredible uh, Mad Max looks. Um, but yeah, definitely those two. Um, next question from Harry Paulette, who says, what is your dream download festival lineup? Now, uh, you can go into resurrecting people if you want, or you can go with who would you combine now? I mean, that's so tough because it's like mm. my music taste is eclectic to say the least, as I'm sure yours is as well, <laughs> uh, as, soon, as long as it's set around 2003, right? <laughs> hey, 2004 is <laughs> when they formed. Sorry, mate. When Alter Bridge arrived. Um, I, it's, trying to pick up the best download lineup Mm. Are we just picking like a headliner and a couple of supporting acts or like what's, what's the gimmick you, here? I, yeah, I think you go with like if it's if it's Dream Festival lineup, then maybe you go your three headliners. And then okay. like I guess who else you would want to see across the show. So I'm going to pick a band that is insanely popular, never got to see live, but think mm. that they are near flawless. I'm going to mm. pick a band that nobody is listening to in this day and age <laughs> who I right. think are just hilariously fun. Mm-hmm. And then I will pick one that is like my personal, I just love everything that they've done. Uh, okay. I wouldn't say that they're flawless, but that. So my three are mm-hmm. the Gorillas. I would cool. absolutely yep. love to see them live. Mm-hmm. Uh, nice little all, Friday band as well. Well, with all of the um, uh, the 3D effects, the holograms, like all of the craziness. Like they, I go back through their back catalogue. They've mm. got so many bangers throughout all of their albums. And mm. it's just... Um, Damien evolving. It's just fantastic. 
I think with download stuff, there's an assumption that it has to be heavy, but download themselves have had chasing status there before and they did yeah. do the prodigy. It's like they do have a, a bit of a window for like if something's big enough and good enough, it can fit there. Yeah, like I do, I'm not I'm not vibing on the whole thing of just going in for something heavy here. I'm just going for right. a band I desperately would like to see <laughs> before I die. Uh, then I would go for the band that nobody's listening to in this day and age, Most mm. Precious Blood, uh, okay. just because I'd want them to play their album Merciless. Uh, all the way through. If you've not heard it, <laughs> it is basically like the birth of um, of modern hardcore. Uh, okay. In my opinion, there will probably be uh, audio files that will be able to tell me that there was a band who did it maybe three or four years earlier than that. But mm. this exploded onto the scene when I was in my youth, basically, okay. and was just like, ooh, I've not heard anything this punky, but also ver- this heavy before, so mm-hmm. I was mm-hmm. loving it. And then I would like to have Thrice uh, play, oh. because I just love Thrice. Thrice. I think they're great. It's really nice. I keep hearing Thrice get recommended on almost a weekly basis. Probably I by still, me. I always, probably by you, and I always forget to go go and actually put them on. So I yeah, I need to check out the uh, the old Thrice. Um, for me, I'm thinking like festival vibes, big like stupid sound systems and getting people moving and everything. Yep. Um, I would open the Friday on a big old synthwave fest. I would have Carpenter Brute headline, and I think the sheer curiosity of who the hell is Carpenter Brute would get people involved. Yep. And you have his like synthwave takes on the likes of uh, Maniac. There's a really good cover of that. Yep. And I think if you just listen to things like Roller Mobster um, or Meet Matt Striker or whatever, they there's a good, like I've seen um, Carpenter Brute live. They, he does heavy metal synthwave stuff so well. Um, and he's like a leader in the field of synthwave music. I think you open the Friday on that. Everyone has a yep. bit of a dance and everything else. Um, Saturday, I would give to Trivium. They never got their headline slot. Fair. And I just was thinking of like vintage bands that you could give the next level to and you can argue the Trivium have missed their slot I don't necessarily think they have I think they're on the form of their careers um, I think they had a weird album with the Catastrophist stuff yeah. um, whatever that album was called um, and then the one that they came back with was just as good as it The was, Sin and the Sentence it was really weird isn't it that they had such mm. a long break came back with two albums near back to back it felt um, well, they, yeah, just because of the pandemic. Yeah, they, just like, and that that one at the beginning didn't go down. Me, you, and Andy Murray listened to the Catastrophist song. Yeah, and, and there was elements the chorus, that we did like. like okay. But then it was like that's the thing. It's the choruses. They mm. do seem that they were the lightest that Trivium had ever been, and that's Kinda, not yeah. why we liked them. And I always feel like Trivium go like one, like one for you, one for us, kind of thing. Yeah, or just like one, yeah. one really good one that's all like really tightly recorded and everything, and then one that tries to get more radio play. And sometimes the radio ones fall down. Like the David Draymond produced one, yeah. um, with, like Vengeance Falls was such a mixed bag. But anyway. The the, um, the album they did to apologize for um, whatever. I can't think what that album's called. The NAF one from yeah, 2020. Yeah. <laughs> um, not to insult the man too much. It's, it's, I grew that album grew on me a lot. But initially Matt, if it was he's like, listening to this, just be like, oh, come he's on. He's checking Scott, it out. We, oh, God, we lads. I thought we were dudes, mate. I thought we were friends. And um, But yeah, that album, they clearly wanted to do something to make up for that. So In the Court of the Dragon is very much up there with um, The Sin of the Sentence, which is some of yeah. the best stuff they've ever, ever made. Some of the best metal you could ever hear. And I think you give them the, the headline slot and you let people just go and see them and finally have that headline slot they should have had back in the day um, after In Waves, which got completely undercut. Sorry, yeah. no, even before then, got yeah. undercut by the Crusade. Um, and then on the Sunday, I'm just giving it to Electric Callboy. They've got like four songs, um, but they're all incredible. And they're just like, go listen to Electric Callboy. We Got the Moves is unbelievably huge. Um, and I just, I, you give it to them. You get that they'll absolutely dominate. They're just like a German hardcore band and they they are phenomenal. Amazing. To them. Final question from Morganize Only, who says, what 
would it take for a game like The Avengers to come back, in your opinion? Is it a, <laughs> is it a complete <laughs> lost cause? No, actually, I don't think it's a lost cause because when I played this game uh, at a closed doors event at EGX, not what, mm. two or three years ago, um, I yes. had the time of my life because you got to play as Ms. Marvel and uh, smashing people around in some sort of like weird training room. And I actually really enjoyed the combat. Okay. All they'd need to do is rebalance it and readdress mm. the state of what it is. Uh, mm. The content expansions that have come out, I've actually been keeping an eye on them. They have been reviewed and re- been received by the fan base a lot better than the initial okay. launch. It's just the damage was done by the uh, ultimate nature of the the grind. And unfortunately, yeah, yeah, yeah. it was exacerbated when the developers put a patch out that made things more grindy because they hadn't that, finished yeah. developing the end game content yet so mm. they had to basically slow players down mm. i feel like now they can be in a much more relaxed state to award players for their time and investment much better so i would say remove all of the nerfs that they put in mm. make people feel like the overpowered superheroes that they are turn down the enemy damage uh, damage and bullet sponge thing mm-hmm. because there's still some enemies out there that are taking you know a massive like shield to the face from Captain America and just going like, oh, sorry, did you sneeze on me? Like, or like Hulk hits a regular soldier yeah. and he's like, okay. Like all they've got to do is address that sort of thing of like, yeah. you can have like the giant mechanical enemies take a few more hits because obviously they are designed to be a challenge. Mm-hmm. But regular grunts, I want them swept away like the Dynasty Warriors games here. But I want to just <laughs> obliterate people. Like, Yeah, if they could differentiate the characters more. Yeah. Um, I, I think there's a few fundamental issues with it, but I think if you make it free to play, that would help. There was a time where it was, on um, PlayStation Plus or Game mm-hmm, Pass for mm-hmm. a bit um, and the player numbers spiked for a bit and it's like if you just get it in front of people and get them playing those first few levels um, my issue is kind of with the level design itself it felt like every character worked yeah. in every single level so they yeah. weren't differentiable um, but if it did things like what you said if you tweak the balancing and you make it so the Hulk feels like Hulk and not just a, a bigger version of Cap or whatever yeah. then you can do things like that um, and maybe just put one of the levels out from about the midpoint where the gang is actually getting back together yeah. um, Like I like the thing where Nolan North's um, Tony Stark and Troy Baker's Bruce Banner start working together again like yeah. the whole stories that they're all disparate and everything um, but yeah I just I think the thing that, that they're up against is just the massive superhero fatigue that everyone has yeah. right now like yeah. Marvel fatigue um, and it but, also really yeah. doesn't help that Guardians of the Galaxy came out and told a lot more of an earnest tale because yeah. of the fact that it was like hey we're not trying to do this microtransaction loot grindy stuff we're just telling mm. a single player story and there's mm. nothing else to it and I was like, Guardians is like dude this is so brilliant good. this is like, yeah. like because do you know what isolated it's not even that good a game if we're being brutally the honest it's, not great, it's, no. it's a good game but when mm. you put it next to um the sheer vacuum of fun that was <laughs> um uh avengers at that time then mm. it appears to be the shining gem even more so mm-hmm. yeah uh make it more like guardians of the galaxy please but with arguably marvel's avengers combat but mm. with the caveat of less uh, bullet spongy enemies please yeah i think as well you you open up some of the abilities that you get like an hour or two hours in like you make it so the combat doesn't feel like you're just hitting the same button over yeah. and over again um there's a lot of stuff you'd have to do to it but there is a core to it that had a lot of money thrown at it that is worth polishing up hmm. um but yeah just massive shout out to guardians as well like, like you said that game's combat is not great um but the character writing for me i think is some of the best since mass effect 2 so i yeah. will shout that stuff out overall though mass effect thank you to everybody for sending in their various questions i forget what i say at this point like I always do every single week. Well, you should tell UBB. people. You should tell people that next Thursday we will be putting out a tweet so that they can check in and ask us questions for next yes. week's UBP. And uh, just a little side note: I know that there are a few people saying hashtag Where are the mugs? Uh, mm. The mugs are apparently coming. 
But there has been quite a lot of busy work going on in what culture recently. Um, in fact, it might be the case that Scott and I will be recording in the same location together Ooh. next week, which will be an interesting one. But it all That'll depends on how much uh, we can do shuffling stuff around. But in terms of the mugs, we've set those things in motion. We keep checking in with them. We just don't have any update other than they're coming. So it's just... Hopefully the mugs arrive at some point. I mean, it's the problem working for a mega company like Future Publishing, really, isn't it? Because it's like, uh, surprisingly, if you go up to them and be like, excuse me, uh, we have a real mug problem here. And they just respond with, yeah, but the entire sort of West Coast advertising division is on fire at the moment. So yeah, thanks. They've, they've got a few things going on. But uh, for now, this has been the entire Battle Podcast. I've been your host, Scott Tilford, joined by Jules Gill. Thank you very much for having me. A massive thank you to all of you for sending in your questions. And we'll catch you next week. Bye-bye. Bye bye. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.